Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Infuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. But running the boards is Joey D's. Hi. Hi. On today's show, we will get the tech and gear gift guide from Gareth Von Kallenbach. I will talk about uh, Halo Infinite because the campaign launched. Yeah. Joe will give his thoughts on Foundation since we heard about BJ uh, BJ's thoughts on it previously. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then uh, Joe and I will discuss a little bit of Wheel of Time. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or, you know, just search for BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find Odyssey us. <laughs> yep. And if you don't know how to spell it, it's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. Odyssey, Odyssey, Odyssey. All right, let's get this started off because it is, uh, maybe you're thinking of uh, something that you can get last minute or maybe get delivered on Prime or uh, some of those quick ways you can do so. And uh, you need those gifts, and we're looking at something uh, maybe in the tech side. We did talk about video games last week, so let's get right with Gareth Von Kallenbach to discuss something else that you could get for uh, those people in your lives. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Review, that is SKNR.net, and we're going to do the gear gift guide, but uh, last Last week we did do the video game gift guide, and we uh, we missed a big entry there with Call of Duty, didn't we? Absolutely, Call of Duty Vanguard. It's out, and they have just put out the first of the season one updates. Those are free, and that's going to bring in new maps and eventually a new zombie episode. And of course, for the people who play Warzone, it's going to bring in some Pacific Island settings. So people are really excited about that. A lot of people have said that. They wish there would be some Pacific Island settings to uh, the Call of Duty games that are set in World War II. And with the exception of Call of Duty World at War, we haven't really seen that. Uh, They do have one multiplayer map that is a uh, Japanese setting. And so people are hoping to see a lot more of that going forward. Nice, nice. Um, Some good uh, free content out there uh, on that aspect. That's a a really good thing on that, especially now that people are going to be spending a lot of time gaming during the holidays. Now, getting into that gear stuff, Turtle Beach always has some good stuff. What do they got for us this year? Well, this year we have a flight stick controller. This is to go, of course, with their usual uh, array of headphones and mice and keyboards. But this is ideal for games like Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's been so popular, they can't even keep it in stock. And essentially, it's a yoke and throttle combination that you can hook up to your system. And uh, you can, you know, play Flight Simulator and other flight games properly, uh, you know, without having to essentially try to land your plane on a keyboard or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, right. So that's a really big deal for them. And that, you know, if you're lucky enough to find it, I would definitely jump on that if you're a fan of flight simulators. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of those things. I've seen some of the craziest setups, especially with people either doing racing games or flight simulators. I mean, I remember seeing like a meme out there, or maybe it was like just somebody's setup that it literally looked like an actual cockpit. Oh, yeah. You see stuff like that at CES where they have these multiple screen arrays and they sit in it and the chair tilts and <laughs> the stuff. And, you know, and we, we would sit there going, that's really cool. But A, where would you put it in your house? And B, 
how do you explain to the significant other I'm going to drop a couple grand on this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Now, moving on from uh, something like a flight stick, uh, one of the big problems a lot of the times is uh, storage, and uh, and we've got some uh, SSDs out there that are pretty interesting. Correct. There's some uh, really interesting things out there. And of course, a lot of companies are now moving away from the traditional hard drive. And one of the ones that came to mind was a company called OWC. And they have the uh, Extreme Pro hard drive. And so the nice thing about this is you can put it in, get a really fast response. And anybody who has uh, not had a chance to try these, when you move from a traditional hard drive to an SSD, you will be shocked at how much faster your computer boots up. I mean, what used to take a couple of minutes for some people now takes uh, (laughs) seconds. So, and then of course the response for your programs is considerable as well. And I mean, that's one of those big things, too, is loading times um, are really important a lot of the times when it comes down to even sort of like gaming. Uh, online gaming is a big one as well when it comes down to all that. So anything to make you give you a, a little bit of a quicker edge on that is really, really big. Oh, exactly. I remember trying the Forever Alpha Star Citizen, and I was shocked <laughs> at how slow it was and how long it took to load and all of this stuff. And people told me, they said, oh, if you don't have an SSD, just forget it. And so I haven't tried it since we've moved our systems over to SSD drives, but I can tell you all the other stuff just absolutely flies now. That's amazing. And I was told if you have, you know, you don't have the problems of it. And if you do have to replace it, it is much easier just to, you know, replace the stick than to have to do the whole hard drive and so on and so forth. Yeah, that is, that's a great thing, uh, a good uh, thing to put out there on that one as well. Now, I love Steel Series. I love them for their mouse and keyboards. They're the ones that I use constantly. And uh, you showed me a headset that I think looks really cool. Absolutely. They've got a really good set of branding out now that in addition to uh, some of the headsets that are out there, the Arctis series, which are really good, uh, they have them in both wired wireless. They have them for the various consoles and systems. They also have all kinds of um, specialty lines. Like, for example, there was a recent Neo Noir line that came out that's been very popular. And so the great thing about this is if you want one, system you can do that or if you want a multi-system one you can get that as well and that is uh, always a good thing so you know I, i'd always do recommend checking them out because whether you want one that is themed after a certain program they do have certain theme lines or then you can just take a standard headset and use it for pretty much everything yeah, I mean, that's the good part of uh, about that as well now. I mean, I kind of feel at this point like the console wars, essentially, especially now with like cross-play and just doing stuff like this where uh, the gear will work for multiple um, consoles or even just on PC, it's really helpful because then you can just find the ones that work the best for you with the brand that you like as opposed to having to buy like a headset for every single one of your uh, peripherals. Correct. And that's always the problem when they first start off with consoles, a new console, because you have those situations like, you know, this company won't let you use a wireless head uh, controller unless it is from them. But if you want to use another brand, you have to use a wired connection. And then eventually that comes out. We just recently saw a 
company has been touting that we are the first, you know, wireless controller for the PS5 that isn't the official controller and that sort of thing. So uh, when it comes to the headset, so it's nice to be able to get in and get on that and know that you're covered across the board. 100%. And, you know, while you're gaming, no matter how you're gaming, you're going to be sitting your butt on a uh, chair, hopefully, or maybe on a beanbag or something like that. I don't know you. But uh, a lot of the times, these gaming chairs out there uh, are very comfortable, and they're going to help you out a lot. And we've got one as well now, too, right? Absolutely. So the Air DX Racer is a really nice one. It's got a mesh to it. They have all kinds of styles. If you want memory foam or a more solid back and base, you can have that as well. But a lot of people prefer the mesh because in extended seating situations or if you're in warmer climates, uh, having a bit of airflow does help. And it's a very <laughs> nice thing to do it. Um, you know, I tell people it, it's an investment. This isn't one of your $50, you know, yeah. chairs that this is a couple hundred dollars up. And but you get the one that works for you. The nice thing about it is you have a company that's going to stand by it. And you know that this thing is going to last you several years, if not longer, if you take care of it. And that's a big thing, too. I love the mesh because if you've got a mesh bottom on that, it means you can fart uh, anytime you want to. And the fact that you can kind of uh, uh, tailor it the way you want to helps out a lot as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you you know, we go to the trade shows and you see them there and you go, wow, $300, $400. But I can go on Amazon and get this for, you know, 100 And you have to look beyond that. You know, is it yeah. plastic or metal? Is it memory foam or just standard foam? What kind of warranty is on it? And that makes a big difference in the final say. 100%. And if you're going to be spending a lot of gaming hours, you're going to want to get something that's comfortable. Now, finally, finishing this out, what do you got? You told me something that's called the mantle mount. Uh, I'm very curious about this. <laughs> okay, so the mantle mount is a very interesting uh, product. These are for your flat screen televisions. And, of course, at the holidays, people are going to be getting flat screen televisions. They keep coming down in price. And then, of course, as we get into the new year, the football playoffs and stuff come along. So these are very thick and heavy, um, heavy from a standpoint of durability. Mm. The shipping box, will, to give you an idea, is about 45 pounds to wow. uh, get it in. So it shows you what it is. This is a solid metal uh, construct. And what you do is you affix it to the wall and then you put your TV to it. Now, the advantage of it is that it allows you to extend your TV out from the wall. You can extend the TV up. You can extend it down. You can have it turned to the left. You can have it turned to the right. So essentially, not only does it allow you to fix a flat screen TV to the wall, you can adjust it as needed. So like if you're in bed and you say, oh, that's too, that's too high or that's too low, or if like the sun's coming in and the glare is really bad, you can just drop the TV down a bit without having wow. to constantly play the game of, well, what is the best position? And I better, you know, hope I get it right when I stick it on the wall or wow, that's, you know, I'm I'm on this side of the room. Let me turn the TV a little bit so I can see it direct on instead of having to glance over. And so that is uh, something a lot of people really enjoy. And if you do uh, put a TV like, uh, we know some people that for some, you know, they want to put it in certain rooms or uh, like say you have it in the living room, but you're in the dining room eating. Well, you can extend the TV out, angle it a bit so you can see it better from the room and that sort of thing. And then just stick it, back flat against the wall. 
That is amazing, and I just the, the the versatility on that is one of those things that is outstanding, and that's one of the reasons why I always get a mount that I can adjust and go around with that because you need something like that because if you set it up and then suddenly you see that there's a glare for one spot, it's going to ruin your day, probably your life, just because you're like, well, now I have to take it down. Am I going to take it down? No, it's just there forever. Oh, exactly, <laughs> and especially with some of these Netflix shows, I know like my wife kind of turned on Ozark, even though we like the series because they, a lot of shows are doing this natural lighting thing. Well, a lot of these newer TVs, especially the 4k ones, they will adjust their illumination based on the light around you. So all of a sudden it's, wow, this is really dark. I can't see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Well, at least instead of having to go in and fiddle with the contrast, you can just say, Hey, let's, let's move the TV out. Let's move it up. Look at that picture just got incredibly better. That's fantastic. And I mean, I have that problem in my living room because it's mounted to our chimney, which is not movable at any point in time. And so it's like, you know, okay, we're just going to have to watch this in complete and utter darkness, and we're fine with that. Now I'm going to have to look at these mantle mounts and see if I can uh, switch that up. I love it. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Review. That is SKNR.net. You can find the gift guide for the video games. You can find it for the gear and so much more at SKNR.net. Thanks again, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, you can find out the gift guides and even more at SKNR.net. Moving on from that, one of the games maybe that you're getting for your uh, loved ones, or maybe you've picked it up for yourself, much like I did. Uh, Well, sort of picked it up, and I'll explain that in a second. Halo Infinite has dropped the campaign mode as of two days ago, December 8th. Now, you might be wondering, well, guys, didn't you already talk about that? And I was like, yes, Infinite, Halo Infinite did drop its multiplayer mode back in, I think, right around uh, like uh, the 15th of uh, November. You know, plenty of time for you to, uh, you know, uh, ignore your family on Turkey Day. Hmm. And now you can uh, ignore your family on uh, Ye old uh, Christmas by playing the Halo Infinite campaign. <laughs> Now, it is developed by 343 Studios, uh, published for the Xbox, but also available on PC as well. Uh, I do have an Xbox Series X, and I've had a chance to play. I only played a little bit of it because, uh, well, it takes a while to to download. And so just be ready for a little bit of that download times if you haven't gotten it. And even if you got the disc itself, you still got to do updates. I mean, that's just the new normal when it comes down to these. If you don't know anything about Halo... Uh, where you've been for the last 20 years, it is probably the premier Xbox first-person shooter and uh, has been the eighth main entry in the Halo series. And the campaign follows the human super soldier Master Chief and his fight against the enemy Banished on the Forerunner Ringworld Zeta Halo. And unlike previous installments in the series, the multiplayer portion of the game is free to play. And here was something interesting. It costs about 70 bucks normally. But, like me, if you have the Xbox Game Pass, you can just play it. And oh, you don't mm-hmm. even have to worry about buying it. And the I have the Game Pass Ultimate, so I can kind of bounce back and forth in between uh, like PC stuff and do a whole bunch of extra things on there. Um, because I need it, because I still play Fallout 76, which we'll talk about on Monday's episode. So it was like a no-brainer for me. And so, of course, I'm going to be playing this. And so far, it is beautiful. Like... It's just like on 4K HD television on my my stupid 65 inch TV in my studio. Ooh, it's pretty. I was gonna say it's been a while since I played a Halo campaign. Like I'm thinking maybe Xbox 360 back on my you know 
big fat tube TV or whatever <laughs> it was. So this is probably a great new experience. Yeah, and at this point in time, a lot of people are saying giving favorable reviews. Some people are saying it's one of the best campaigns that have been out there, especially after uh, I think the last one, like Halo Five or whatever it was. Uh, the campaign was very lackluster for a lot of people, and I don't even remember even playing it. So that was one of those ones that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of uh, not too worried about with this, especially the fact that it's on the Game Pass and I can just play it. Uh, that really helped out a lot. I don't know how I'm going to not get spoiled, Rev, because I might wait until the co-op campaign comes out, because I don't think it's available on launch yet. I think it's just solo campaigns. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, with you in the office, telling me all these Halo spoilers, <laughs> I mean, I might have to plug my ears. You might have to. I'm stoked about it. Like, I've like literally have only played kind of the opening scene that sets up everything, and I'm not going to give any of it away other than the fact that when you're doing it, uh, I don't know if uh, Master Chief has always had a grappling uh, grapple hook. That's new. And uh, there's a whole scene where they're teaching you basically how to use it, and you're grappling through space, going through an exploding ship. <laughs> it was so cool. Like, there's just the whole, like, just, like, the, the hairs on the back of your neck are just, like, the tension is huge. You're running through your grappling stuff to get you through this while the ship's exploding all around you. That's one of the ones where if you don't have a massive, awesome sound system, uh, maybe ask one for Christmas, <laughs> or just wear some really nice headphones. Uh, And you get that whole surround sound sort of feel with it. Like, I do recommend it. And especially if you've got, like, Game Pass is amazing because they have so many games on there that even if it's something that doesn't vibe with you, you pay pay for it for a month. You can cancel it any time sort of thing. You can come back and they'll usually give you an offer to do it super cheap, which is what I do a lot of the times. And it's worth trying out, see if it's for you. And if not, for a month, you've got access to a whole bunch of other games, including backwards titles as well. So there's a lot of stuff on on that, I do recommend to check it out if you're a fan of the first-person shooters and uh, the old Halo system. Moving on from that, last time we talked with BJ, it was about a week ago when he was talking about how much he really enjoyed Foundation and how much he loved the season finale of it. And basically the whole season overall. And I even said on that, it's like, I cannot wait till we get Joe back because Joe's been having this roller coaster of a ride with this show. And now that we have come to the ending of the first season, Joe, how do you feel about having seen the entire thing? Uh, not much has changed, Rip. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, when I first watched the three-episode premiere of the show, mm-hmm. I read some critic reviews. Because they got the whole thing. They got like eight or nine episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they knew exactly all what was going yeah, down. Exactly. And so a lot of the complaints were around the time traveling. Because, of course, as you know, I love time traveling. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. Time traveling is hard to do, especially if you're telling uh, a story through multiple characters. Well, in the season finale of this show, guess what? Yeah. We get some more time traveling. <laughs> why not, right? They do a a pretty good job of wrapping up all the points, at least, which is nice. Uh, All the main characters get a little bow. Uh, You kind of see the collapse of the three brothers a little bit as one of the brothers gets murdered, which is pretty cool. Uh, I thought that the the robot, the AI, has a really good arc in this story to kind of keep everything together to show you kind of why everything's collapsing. Because this AI is thousands of years old. Yeah. And so... It's kind of your compass of the show to show you why, you know, humanity can't have this And even the anchor of, like, all the different times and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. They're the one constant where their timeline really doesn't change. Fair enough. They're the one, they're the only one that doesn't (laughs) go through a time traveling thing. They do travel through space. 
but they it's quick and it's very easy to follow. Mm-hmm. The other two main characters, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> um, the warden of the show uh, has her arc. It finishes. She wins, I guess. Decides that her love story with her man is not good enough. She needs to leave because she's a Mary Sue character. It just has to happen. <laughs> and she leaves. And, of course, what happens? She goes on a hundred-year time journey where she ends up on a planet. We don't know. They don't tell you. It. That's that. Well, yeah, that's the tease for <laughs> next that's, season. That's the tease for next season. Yeah. As we've seen with this show, cliffhangers mean you're not going to get your resolution until about four or five episodes into the season. <laughs> so it's going to be great. Uh, and then the other character... Uh, oh, man, goes into space and also goes through a time jump for 35, <laughs> 40, 75 years. Pick a number. It doesn't matter. And they end up on the same planet, and you find out that, that they're, they're, they're mother and daughter now because apparently – I don't know why this happened. But you find out that the reason they're connected is because they used uh, uh, egg fertilization incubation on one of the characters – she then is genetically the same as this, the one of the other main characters, and that's the connection. That's why the whole time you, she can see her memories, I guess, because All that right. happens. Okay. Never been shown in the show before, but that's what we're going to go with here. Oh, they slow rolled you on that Yeah, one. and so now <laughs> they found each other 130-some-odd years in the future, and that's where season two is going to pick up, which will never happen because I don't think the show's getting a season two. Uh, sir, they've already confirmed a season two. Uh, I'm wrong. Uh, and uh, wrong. everyone's speculating they haven't given a release date yet, but probably around the same time next year. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I can't wait for you to uh, either hate watch it or give it up and just let BJ talk about it. I don't know. You do you boo you know it's one of those things where they do the, the this show in particular does the mystery the reveal of their hidden information in a way where you're kind of like this doesn't make me as a viewer feel like your characters would make any right decisions because they do this whole thing where they don't tell the main character that she's genetically the same as their savior essentially this yeah. chick who's supposed and you're like why would you have hidden that from anyone? They all want, they all love this person and they hate her like yeah. in the show and you're just like I don't see why your mom kept that from you. This doesn't this seems very relevant and she didn't <laughs> tell you. And it's just like I don't know. <laughs> ah, <this has> been, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You figure it out for yourself. And it don't seems worry like about it. just to confuse or you know keep the viewer in the dark cuz that's the cool thing to do. There's I I just want I mean I don't even want to record this. I just want to sit in a room with you and BJ talking about this cuz I kind of just want to see the world explode. Like, I mean, other beyond that, like him trying to figure it out, you saying something, being like, oh, maybe you have a point. And then just uh, watching his brain kind of explode when it comes down. He's like, but I really want to like it. Yeah, I want to <laughs> like it. I like the first episodes. And it's a cool sci-fi show, and I'm a sci-fi fan. I still watch it. You know, like it's not <laughs> terrible, and the acting's great. But it's just, you know, you just kind of at a point, you're like, your characters have so much plot armor that I just can't watch this show. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like, you know, they can do no wrong because they just stumble into any scenario and they're not allowed to die. So you're kind of like, okay, so what, <laughs> right, how are they yeah. going to get out of this one? Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> I, actually, I don't, I don't think I would be surprised. <laughs> now, something I'm surprised about, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, is the fact that I didn't realize that you were watching The Wheel of Time oh, yeah. as well. Which got me super stoked because now it's somebody else at work that I can totally nerd out about and uh, basically it would turn into even a longer episode of this that it's going to be. But episode five dropped last week. Episode six is right now, but we're not talking about it. But last week was Blood Calls Blood, where Perrin and Egwene run into a familiar face, while Matt and Rand spot some strange ones and Moraine and Lan mourn their loss. 
And this was interesting because it time jumps uh, a month ahead and gets them to the White Tower, so it gets there right away. And uh, you got you kind of start now dealing with the um, politics of the Aes Sedai and dealing with the magic users of all of that. They've brought the false dragon in, and kind of that is influencing more people than we would really imagine it to do. And then we get to see some new characters as well. They're interesting. Uh, they're uh, 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 Introducing um, Loyal, which is the Ogier or Ogier or whatever the hell Ogier. you want to do, the gigantic old, old, old being. We don't necessarily know what he is, what an Ogier really is. Um, he's old. He doesn't really speak in metaphors, so he's very interested in how the humans talk, and he brings about some points that I felt were. Very pertinent that nobody else has brought up in the first five episodes that I was very happy to see about that. And I'm just super happy that there's someone else into it who... You never read the books, right? I never read the books, no. Okay, so you don't really know what's going on at this point in time. I want to get your just your, your, your thoughts on what you've seen so far in the first five episodes. This is a tough one because I do like it. Like It's a fantasy show. I like fantasy shows, mm-hmm. similar to sci-fi. I'm pretty critical of them. This show does a good job of establishing at least characters and story, and it keeps you intrigued because there's a lot. Yes. And I think that might turn some people off from the show because they kind of do jump from character to character quickly with a lot of like subtlety in what's happening and where yeah. the plot's going, how many characters there are in the world. Because hey, it's a fantasy show. That's what always happens. But I enjoy it because, at least for me, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Wheel of Time is... a pretty common theme in terms of, you know, reincarnation or like stuff Absolutely. like that. Yeah. And, and I get to get all this lovely information from you and my roommate and people whoever the books who love it and you know, you know so maybe it's a little bit easier for me to follow because of that. And it's and it's interesting also because there are some very marked differences in um uh going from a book to a 14 novel book series making it into a television series and it is on Amazon Prime and the first season is only eight episodes long so right now we've got three more episodes including today's um, that we'll get to the finale so when we'll be talking about that when we come back from uh, uh, our long break and uh, where you're kind of like intrigued and kind of like oh this is how it's going there's a lot of people who have read the books who are like, well, that's not how it is in the books, and this is how a thing isn't going to work like that. And I posted a video um, uh, two days ago that was really about uh, the author who took over for the original author who passed away. Robert Jordan wrote the books. After book 11, it was so 12, 13, and 14, it was Brandon Sanderson who finished it up. And he did a, uh, a podcast that's about an hour long discussing up until episode four, but he also had kind of the because he's a producer on it as well that he explains a lot of things, including his own head canon on how it works, and also just like how Hollywood works as opposed to trying to write a book, and even breaks down how the books are in the series and why they're kind of smashing some things together from older books because. The first three books are essentially kind of like a fantasy quest sort of thing. The next three books are really delving into the diplomacy and the politics, especially of the Aes Sedai. So you're getting all of that now in a Game of Thronesy type uh, setting, 
and even the books aren't as you know sort of grim dark Game of Thronesy as the show is. So uh, if you want a lighter thing but a very much longer read, you can definitely get in with that. Yeah, I think in general. If you read a book as opposed to a TV show, you're almost always going to have a better experience. And it's that context gap. Like, yeah. They kind of say that about developing AI, why it's so difficult, is because if you say I slip on a banana and, and you know, I broke my leg, so I went to the doctor, right? Like, the context of, well, why did you go to the doctor, right, doesn't get filled in by the AI because they don't understand that normally when you hurt yourself, you go to the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when you read a book. When you read a book, your own interpretation of it kind of makes the experience better because you're filling in what's going on. But when you provide it in TV form, it's hard, right? Because you have to show why the characters do what they do. Like, what's motivating them? So that's, to your point, the wife death. Yeah. People don't like it because it's different from the book. But it really does give that character a lot of reasons to what he's feeling. And the thing was, too, it's like, yeah, you fridge the woman. That sucks. And you got to look at, like, Perrin in the book wasn't married. All the kids... All the kids were literally younger kids, like early teens, mid-teens, maybe 14, 15, when the book set up, and they're markedly older at this point in time, again, to put them in more adult situations and be able to do these things. So it's it's a little bit of that sort of change, and some people are poo-poo pants about it, and you have to just realize that this is a familiar re-imaging that really works in the context of the Wheel of Time. Yeah, you know, it's that CW line, as we always talk about. You can't go so young that it becomes more about the drama of the relationships. You have to keep yeah. it within the world when you want to do something big like this. And it's the it, it just reminds me of the, the, the Bone uh, show on Netflix, the uh, Steampunky Bone show that I can't remember the full uh, name of. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, yes, I know the one you're talking about. Shannara Chronicles. Uh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Different no. one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. A, the... That's the one I always remember. <laughs> Bone and Arrow, Shadow and Bone. Shadow uh, and Bones, I think, maybe? Yeah, like Shadow and Bone. One? Yeah, yeah, the Shadow and Bone. So, yeah, that one uh, was definitely more C-dub sort of style than this was. Um, the setting, I still, for Wheel of Time, fantastic. You get to see the White Tower where the Aes Sedai um, dwell and also Tarvalon, which is the city. Um just the landscaping is just so beautiful. It addresses some of the interesting things that I thought have been left off at this point in time. But I'm really excited to see where these last three episodes are going to go. If you guys haven't had a chance to see it yet, right now the holiday break is a perfect time to uh, catch up on all of it. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Let us know how about uh, you know how you feel this is going on. I'm pretty sure it's already been renewed for a season two. And I, I hope it goes to at least four or five seasons. Uh, don't know yet, obviously, at this point in time. I think they have two and three already done. Probably. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm really excited for it all. I want to see where this goes. And, uh, well, got to stop talking about it now because it is time to get to... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? Well, movies are coming out this weekend. Movies. Oh, yeah, there are some movies coming out, right? Some big movies, but... Not that really apply to us. <laughs> All right. Oh, so you're not going to talk about West Side Story? I mean, that, I was going to mention that it's got 96% uh, wow. so far. So I'm like, if that is your jam, not really my jam, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, right. But it is certified fresh at 96%. Uh, so you can go watch that if you're feeling it. Uh, there is another one. It, the, the name. I, and I only bring it up because of the name. And oh, the, it's called Red Rocket. It's a comedy drama, <laughs> but that's also certified fresh at 87% with 64% audience score. Yeah. Urban Dictionary Red Rocket. No. Oh, I just think about the South Park episode. Yeah. yeah. So disturbing. It's supposed to be like a dark, funny movie, you know, about America, an American hustler, kind of, there's 
Yeah, I mean, if that's kind of your jam, Turned go for it. it trainer, looks, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but the the <laughs> main cover picture is the. I think he works at a donut shop because he's like naked on the cover with like Whoa. a donut wrapped around him. Wow, it's really silly looking. Now that's a good social marketing campaign. Yeah, right. right? The one that I've, I I have no idea what it's about, but I keep seeing it talked about because it's got an all star cast. Is one called Don't Look Up? It's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, uh, Tyler oh, Perry, Timothy whoa. Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Timothy Kate Blanchett. Um, yeah, Kate Blanchett, Meryl <laughs> Streep, uh, Melanie Linsky, Michael Chiklis, uh, Himish Patel, I believe. Was that uh, he was in uh, Big Bang Theory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, Matthew Perry, like huge all star cast. What the hell is it about? Uh, Kate Diabyski, played by Jennifer Lawrence, is an astronomy grad student. Her professor, Dr. Randall Mindy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, makes an astounding discovery of a comet orbiting within the solar system. And the problem is it's on a direct collision course to Earth. Oh, the no! other problem is that nobody really cares. Yeah, so I mean. It turns out, you know, they're trying to warn mankind about a planet killer, you know, the size of Mount Everest. Is it very inconvenient to navigate? So with the help of another doctor... Kate and Randall embark on a media tour that takes them from the office of an indifferent president, played by Meryl Streep, and her psychophonic son, I guess, and uh, the chief of staff, Jason, which is Jonah Hill, to the airways of the Daily Rip, an upcoming, mor- an upbeat morning show hosted by Bree, which is Kate Blanchett and uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, with only six months until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining attention on the social media-obsessed public before it's too late. So it's supposed to be a comedy, like people not really... Believing yeah. or caring that it's the end of the earth. This sounds kind of interesting. I just like one of the reviews. It was a spoiler-free uh, review that just says, "My favorite part about the movie is when Timonkey Champagne." I'm like, that's not. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna say anything more. It was just like that's Timothy Chalamet. I feel like he is the new Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bernadette I, uh, Cumberbun. Exactly. Cumberbun. <laughs> but that has 56 percent on the tomato meter for the critics. It doesn't have an audience score as of yet. But it, I keep seeing it talked about all the interviews with them. So. Might be worth watching or maybe just waiting until, you know. Yeah, I'm actually very interested in this now, and I d- didn't know anything about it. And the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was say, oddly enough, I was l- watching the news the other day, and NASA is actually firing a rocket to try to move a comet or an asteroid or something as a test because it's not coming close to yeah, Earth. Yeah, it's like no. the Armageddon test yeah. or whatever to see if they can uh, divert uh, an asteroid to see, like, if even if it's possible. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Just don't divert it directly towards us, please. Is, it, is, is Armageddon the movie where they train drillers to go go yeah. and become astronauts? Yes. I, I forget which actor. I think is Ben uh, It was Affleck. Ben Affleck, yes. He asks, I think, the director or whatever. He's like, wouldn't it just be easier to train astronauts to be drillers? He's like, shut up. Yeah. You literally, literally just, just told said, him to shut up. Yeah, which I, I thought was hilarious. Hey, you know how to drill. It's, a, it's, a, <laughs> uh, it's not a skill. It's intuition. Another <laughs> movie that's coming out that's kind of in the big news. I'm... I would be more excited if they had different castings. I'm looking at the images and I'm not impressed. Is being the Ricardos because Lucille oh. Ball without her we would not have sci-fi because without her there would be no Star Trek. You're right. You're right. Definitely. So I was very when I heard that they were announcing this movie, I got really excited because she's a phenomenal person and I would love to lo- know more about her and her life. And they cast Nicole Kidman and the yeah. images they've come out come out with look awful. And again, I'm biased. Because, you know, we've had uh, Jillian Anderson in the first season of American Gods portray Lucille Ball briefly. Yeah, as media, uh-huh. like, got dressed up and actually did, like, all of the... The, 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 the mannerisms, the, exactly, everything. Yeah. It was she was good. Phenomenal. Uh, so, just visually, she would look... She would have been so much better. Her 
and or uh, Deborah Messing, who's also kind of dressed up as Lucille Ball for like some promotional pictures or whatever. I've seen those too, yeah. She also looks fantastic. Nicole Kidman looks like someone put a fa- like a mask of like a really realistic mask of Lucille Ball, and it looks really bad. Ooh. Not Ooh. great. I it's, do not like it. It's just like when Brian Cranston wore the Heisenberg mask to walk around on San Diego Comic Con. That actually looked better than what her face looks like <laughs> in the makeup. And I'm sorry, oh, Nicole dear. Kidman's a beautiful woman, but honey, no. <laughs> like whoever did her makeup, no. Uh, other movies I'll just bring up real quick. Agnes getting 62% is a uh, nun horror movie. I'll just uh, leave it at that. Wow, yeah, okay. Uh, and another one called Hurt. No uh, reviews on that as of yet. You but another me, horror movie. You showed me a picture that was like very uh, disconcerting, like a weird baby doll thing or something. Like CGI, baby mask. I don't know. Speaking of weird faces, I honestly I can't tell what I like more. The baby creepy mask or Nicole Kidman's face. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> I, mm, not sure. But if you guys do see any of these movies, please send us wow. a message. I would love to hear your reviews. And yeah. we can talk about them here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And until next time, stay nerdy.